quick look now at our all-important radar defense screen. But your regenerated circuits are tuned asynchronously, and that causes concatenation in the intermediate amplifier. Initiated startup sequence. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the English Department podcast here at Bishop O'Connell High School. My name is Mr. Meehan, and I am a teacher of literature of the 11th grade students here, Honors American Lit. Did I get that right, guys? Yeah. yeah. They're, 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 they're saying yeah, and they're nodding their heads. You can hear one of them and can't see the other. Um, I've been told uh, some helpful feedback for me that sometimes I talk a little quickly. Go figure. I think it's from, from a big family in New Jersey, and we have to fight to get airtime. Uh, probably explains why I make a weekly podcast. Um, but I will do my very best to keep it clear and uh, appropriately paced this week and help me stay on task. I have some guys uh, to talk about some guys' literature. Uh, we're talking this week about Ernest Hemingway's In Another Country, a short story by Hemingway, just three pages, and it has a lot of guys in it doing guy stuff, and one of the things that guys are really bad at is talking, actually. We find that in the story. The, the communication breakdown is an issue. So uh, as I'm looking at my own things to work on, I think that's important. Uh, we look at this story. Um, to join me, I have pros all around the table, so why don't I start on my right and work my way around. Uh, why don't I introduce yourself to the podcast, say hello. Hi, I'm Tommy. Hi, Tommy. How are you? Good. I don't know. You guys didn't want to say hi. <laughs> uh, Tommy, do you have a last name? Uh, my last name is Cook, so I'm Tommy Cook. Tommy Cook, which is a really good name. Yeah. Um, are you more of a talker or less of a talker? I'm like in the middle. In the middle. So more talker than Hemingway, less talker than Mia. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Got it. Across the table for me. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Chris Ho. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good on that talker scale. Where where do you place yourself? Probably at the bottom end. More, more like a Hemingway guy. Like, you don't say much. You're a man of action. Okay. To your left. Go ahead. Uh, hi, I'm Chris Jahade, and um, I'm less of a talker. Less of a talker. Yeah. You guys are putting a lot of pressure on me this week, so i got to keep yeah. the ball rolling. Um, you feel like that Hemingway, you can relate to those characters because yes. they don't say much. Yeah. Legit. And then to your right, my left, is... I am Andrew Wallman, but I go by Wake. Which is an awesome name. Yes, thank you. And on a talker scale, I, where are you? I'd probably be a Tommy right in the middle. More like Tommy. So some days you can kind of... Yeah, it, depending on where I feel. Well, let's, let's see how we feel about Hemingway. Um, let's start with that, because this In Another Country story um, is about a bunch of guys, um, soldiers, um, in a recovering military hospital. And uh, they get some news, they get some activity, they don't really do too much. It's a lot of just time spent maybe describing what the world of this hospital looks like. And we see our, our main character, I don't know that we ever get his name, and then we have some other characters like a doctor and then a, a, an aging general. Um, but they do that guy thing where, like, I don't know, you guys play Madden or you play with friends on video games? Oh, yeah. You sit on the couch for, like, eight hours and just, like, stare at the screen in front of you, but you don't actually talk to one another. Um, is, is, does this story feel, let's maybe open with that, does this story feel to you authentic or, or realistic in that way? Does it sound like guys talking like guys about guy stuff? Um, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I think um, it's Tommy, pretty ahead. realistic because... They're just talking about like what's in the moment. Like they're pretty much up to nothing. Like they have nothing to do. They're just recovering in the hospital, and while their machines are like rehabilitating them or going through therapy, they're just talking about like, oh, I got a medal for this. Mm -hmm. And the main character, he kind of feels a little secluded because he feels like he was wounded by accident and doesn't really fit in with the other guys. Sure. So there's something about the in inequity of heroism like you know just because you fought doesn't mean you're a hero 
And just because you got injured doesn't mean you were good at fighting. I mean, he actually grapples with that a little bit. Um, does this feel like, I mean, authentic, the, that question of heroism as, as, it, as we kind of move through it? Do you get the sense that our, our narrator feels bad about receiving medals or um, feels I, bad about his service? He, um, Wake. I believe that at some points he says that he's proud of what he's done mm -hmm. and how he got wounded. But then when he's talking about the other guy's medals, um, down bottom of page two on the left. Text um, evidence, love it. Yeah. Um, he's imagining himself doing all the things they did with their medals, so he's kind of feeling a little jealous about other guys' medals, but I think he feels good about what he did. So the service and the medals are actually two different processes. Um, Chris, you're nodding ahead. Um, yeah, to add on to what Big said, um, he's, he describes the uh, other three um, soldiers who have gotten their medals from heroism and mm -hmm. stuff like that. He describes them as hawks, like who yeah. have gone through tough times. And, yeah. Yeah, chiefs and stuff like that. <laughs> also, like talking about Chris's point, he says, I was not a hawk, so this means like he, he doesn't want to brag about his like he doesn't. He's not like a glory hound seeking, uh, you know, combat or, 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 or missions for missions' sake. Um, there's a line that strikes me in that paragraph that you pointed out, Wake. Uh, he says, "I had been given the medals because I was an American." Mm -hmm. um, what does that mean? I had been given the medals because I was American. I mean, I literally it means he was given medals because he was American. But why include that line when he's talking about the idea of fighting in other countries and? being wounded in wars. He talked about being wounded being an accident. There's nothing nothing you can do. And while he says he wasn't ashamed of the medals he got, um, he wonders if he would have done what other people did to get medals. He got them because of his nationality. Like, what do you guys make of that? What do you think the author's grappling with there? Like, um, being an American might have like a certain reputation in this certain war, um, maybe one of the world wars. Um, on how the Americans are just so much better and so much more vicious or just better at fighting. So you think because he, his reputation as, well, because you're an American, your reputation precedes you a little bit? So yes, people respect yes. him for it. Um, you're nodding ahead, Tommy. Mm -hmm. Going off of what Wake said, um, I was looking into the context of this short story, and um, it appears to be after World War One, and the U.S. entered the war like a little late, so they were kind of the ones who actually helped end the war because their support like just helped um, stop the fighting. And um, Americans like after that war were kind of seen as like a superpower for a long time until like the Cold War. So they had like this reputation about them like oh they're Americans they have like the best military and stuff. So living up to the hype of being a war ender, people respect him just because he came from the right team. Mm -hmm. Does that make him a hero? I mean like that's that's a tough question, right? Um, because he mentions there's somebody else who got really mangled in the war um, mm -hmm. earlier. Um, do we have that passage? Actually, he talks about you know somebody who he looks at who did something heroic, and he says that guy really deserves some medals. Um, about uh, the guy who's, who's wounded very quickly in the war. Do we have that passage? Oh yeah, that boy. Yeah. Um, where is it? It's on the uh, the boy in the black silk bandage. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, it's on the bottom of page, uh, the, the end of the first page, the second column. Go ahead, Chris. You have it. Um, yeah, it, he describes him as um, yeah, very young, and um, he went into the war, and like within the first moments of him being in battle, he was uh, uh, wounded in the face, and yeah, 
So a very grisly wound, right? And I had to rebuild the man's face and they could never really quite get it right. Um, he talks about how that guy feels like, that, that feels like he really did make a sacrifice. But he didn't get a medal because he was only there for an hour. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, what do you make of that? I think it's, yeah, unfair. Yeah, okay. If you sacrifice for your country anything, even if it's for a short time, I think you should get some sort of... But let me be devil's advocate. If everybody gets a medal, then the medals don't mean anything. Chris, you give me a look now. Gotcha, you're giving me a look like that's not a good thing. Yeah, I think maybe it's like a literary term and uh, like it's not a literal medal. And maybe because he actually lost something in the war, mm-hmm. it means more to him. You, you, to the boy who lost part of his face, you mean? Because our, our narrator says he just kind of showed up late, and hey, you're American, all Americans get medals. Um, what, do you, what do you make of that, that depth of sacrifice? Like, whose sacrifice is greater? I mean, can, can we make that case here? Or is that an impossible answer? Um, I think the face, the boy's face, is a symbol of, like, his dignity um, compared to just, like, a leg, which is on a... Um, an extremity of the body. Yeah, I mean, like, our, so our hero, our narrator, we say his knee didn't bend, and the leg dropped straight from the knee to the ankle without a calf. So he, his muscle, muscles are, like, ruined in the lower part of his leg. He's not mortally wounded. He's going to be okay. Yeah. He might walk with a limp. They talk about the ability to play sports afterwards or something like that. Um, but it sounds like as the severity of injury goes, the Italian boy with the wounded face has a much more, like, real physical sacrifice, Definitely. a dignity sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy, you look like you're, you're, you're puzzling this. Yeah, um, I was agreeing with what Wake said about how when you injure your face, it's um, there, like, it's what people see, it's what they notice first about you. For so sure. It's like um, what people judge you off of, like, oh, yeah, the eyes are the window to the soul, and like, people, um, when they're talking to you, usually you look them in the eye, because mm-hmm. that's respectful, but he probably doesn't have, like, um, a lot of self-confidence because his face is all distorted. So somebody who's been destroyed by this war, it destroys their self-confidence, their sense of dignity, and um, there seems like an inherent injustice in this, that one person walks away with medals and a leg that kind of hurts, but he's going to be okay. One guy walks away with no medals and no face. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of grisly. Um, let me ask the table question. Um, why is Hemingway doing this? Why is he pointing out this this injustice between these 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 different characters here? Perhaps to um, make a point um, on the different nationalities of them, saying that Americans can just get ha- things handed to them without doing much, but then other countries such as Italy, because um, they're in Milan, um, even though their sacrifice is greater, they don't get recognized as much because they don't do much. There's a sense of entitlement, war. maybe, for sure, the yes. Americans? Chris Echehadi. Uh, I'd also agree with Wake, but also maybe it has to do with the Hemingway Code Hero, because... Oh, cool, let's talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe, like, he confronted life and, like, all his hardships, but he doesn't, like, want to give any display of emotion. Right. So, so that idea about Hemingway Code Hero, um, like, if you live up to Hemingway's definition of what it means to be, you know, a man... Um, whether or not you get medals is really immaterial. Uh, the medals are, are kind of extra. Um, this story does sort of play with that idea of a Hemingway Code Hero quite a bit. Um, can we talk about some other traits that are, you know, part of being a Hemingway Code Hero? Uh, they either come up in this story or other things we know about Hemingway. Well, uh, one of the, um, the uh, 
attributes of uh, Hemingway hero that he describes in this story was with the major. Oh he yeah. Was, um, okay. Sort of a hard man, like he would. He wanted discipline in his life. Like yes. He says um, when he uh, corrects uh, the main character, and he says, "Speak grammatically." Um, on mm -hmm. the second page, on the second column. So a man of good discipline mm -hmm. fits the definition of a Hemingway hero. Even if something is as simple as the way you speak sloppy Italian. Um, it's like, if you're going to do a job, do it right. Being a disciplined person is a, is a Hemingway, is a heroic thing. Um, excellent. Is there more that we see of a Hemingway hero traits? I have a list, actually, of traits right here. Tommy, fire them off. <laughs> so, um, you came prepared. Good for you. High yeah. five on a podcast. That was, it, it sounded better here. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So one of the traits is uh, Hemingway heroes um, very good at what they do, and um, says the major had been a very great fencer before the war. Okay. Like the greatest in Italy, and um, now since his hand is all mangled since the industrial accident, he uh, kind of loses that trait about him. So if you're gonna do something, do it well. Mm -hmm. Whatever your any job that's worth doing is a job worth doing right, and the. The fencing thing is, is just a sign of like his, his technical ability, his artistry through, through his hand. Uh -huh. and now his hands... So if he's not able to do that, let me ask you a tough man question. Is he less of a man now that he can't do a job well? He probably feels that way. He feels that way. Yeah. So it's an assault on his masculinity. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent... This is a good podcast to have a bunch of guys talk about stuff because it, it's, it's a hard question. I think you're right on that point. Um, wait, it sounded like you had something you want to say there. Well, just like... Fencers, I mean, fencers use their hands, so mm -hmm. once you take your hand out of your life and your life is fencing, like the greatest fencer in Italy, you just feel like you're left without a purpose, and so I think he would definitely feel less manly because he doesn't do the thing that he loves to do. Also, football, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so there's, there's one guy who can't play football, and uh, I mean, we've all done that thing, maybe, uh, where we bully somebody just in a good-natured kind of way, like, oh, man, you know, you even lift, bro? You know, like... You, you rag on somebody because they're not able to do that manly type thing. Um, my brother will still, you know, compete with me at who can throw a football further. Um, do, I mean, is that is that a natural part of being a, a man's man kind mm -hmm. of thing? That we all have that inborn sense of competition in that? Uh, Chris, I, I think so. It's like that manly competition and like the strive to do better than one another. Yeah. Another, and also being consistent. On the second page. Uh, on the second page, the narrator tells us that the major came very regular, regularly to the hospital. I do not think he ever missed a day, so he was very consistent. Again, more discipline, more consistency, right? Um, more following orders, even though, because this is weird. They all have this general idea that these machines at this rehab center, like, how, what is their attitude towards it? You're shaking your head on that, Chris. Uh, they seem like they don't really work. They like, don't really work, and they kind of know they don't really work. So why keep going? Because he prizes this man for his everyday commitment to this cause, even if he knows it's like a losing battle. It like shows structure in his life. He needs something that he it gives a framework. Mm -hmm. It gives him something to to that he's you know he's a man. He's a man of his word. That feels like a very code hero thing to do. Um, is there anything else about that code hero that comes through in the major's behavior or his? Because um, the end of the story is a little odd. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a, an odd phone call that comes, or the major gets really worked up. But he doesn't get worked up in front of our narrator. He kind of walks away and comes back. What do you make of that scene? Um, and what does it mean about manhood or heroes and all that stuff as it kind of comes together? Um, I think, well, he gets very angry um, when they're talking about marriage. Um, 
And then, so he loses it. Actually, literally, he mentions lose it six times. Yeah. Um, but then he comes back, and then he apologizes and explains that his wife just died. And so that's just the sadness in his life um, taking over, um, and he doesn't want anyone else to feel that pain. So, like, he, he says, when the war's over, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know, go back to America, get married or something. And he's like, you can't get married, because if you get married, you can lose who you're married to, and that's bad. And then he walks away and kind of composes himself and says, I'm sorry, my wife died. I shouldn't have lost my temper. Is that part of a man thing? Um, like, the idea of losing a temper or getting emotional? Um, or at least, you know, the expectations of that. Like, if we just had a podcast, close the doors here, and we all started talking about our feelings, um, would that feel weird as, as, a, as a man podcast? Uh, Chris, you're nodding ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's not very, I mean, it is part of a man's nature to, like, lose your temper sometimes. Right. Yeah, just vent your feelings. Like, Frustrations. Because we, we men always, like, keep it in. And yeah. Yeah, keep it cooped up. Have you done that thing where you hang out with a friend for, like, you know, an afternoon, and then your mom's like, how's, your, how's Bill? And you're like, uh, good, I guess. And she's like, how's his family? You're like, I don't know. We can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't talk about, what do you talk about? I don't know, we talked about Chipotle. We talked about, you know, video games, sports. Like, men don't let people in on their emotions. Yeah. Or at least, is Hemingway's definition of it. Um, is Hemingway's definition of a man outdated, do you think? That it, uh, outdated definition of a hero? Or is there something timeless about the, 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 the code that he holds up? Maybe a little bit of both. I think definitely today, um, men or guys don't talk about their feelings deeply with one another, um, unless I guess they're really close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just from past experience. Chris? But also, I think Hemingway's idea of a hero is still present today, yeah. because like, uh, because men don't really like give their emotions out, and when and when the major like. Uh, like when he bursts out in his attack against marriage, the narrator's like kind of caught off guard with his like emotional explosion, and like it, it feels like almost out of out of place. Yeah. Okay, Chris, is it outdated? Do you think this idea, or is it still contemporary? The relevance. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's relevant because men still act the same way throughout history. Like it's, they're very introverted. Yeah. And very. Uh, I don't know. Self Proud or yeah. protective? Yeah, protective of their their feelings. Yeah, I'll buy that. I guess last word for the day, Tommy. Outdated or very relevant today? I think it's still relevant. Um, as we said earlier, with the major being a great fencer, um, when you try to be the best, um, men today like look at their success um, as a whole. Like pe- uh, people judge people by each other's success, and um, Hemingway believed in that because he said. Um, a Hemingway hero is um, very good at what he does, and he doesn't let um, like emotions get in the way. He's like n- doesn't get shaken. Yeah. Doesn't let people see him sweat. Um, I guess we'll we'll leave it there at the end of today's conversation, gentlemen. Job well done. This was really good for the podcast. Thank right? you. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you guys want to find any of these guys, please do because they're smart and they're good men <laughs> and they have this stuff figured out. If you want to tweet at me, I'm at mehandjo. Um, feel free to give ideas for new podcasts or feedbacks, things that we can do better. We're always working to be better men, uh, however we can. Um, thank you guys again for this week, and we'll check in next week with another podcast. <laughs>